What's up, Hug Fam? We are on episode number 136, and today we are looking at how our parents affect us. Ooh, yeah. So here's our pastor chef, Eddie Park. What's up, everybody? My name is Eddie, and I'm the founding and teaching pastor of Hug, soon to be Supper Church. And question of the day was, what nonfiction book changed your life? This is a really hard question for me because there are so many books I could say that changed my life. But one book I want to share that changed my life really early on was How We Love by Yorkovich, which is the first book I was given during my very first counseling session before Eunice and I got married. Some of you have done premarital counseling with me, but one thing I'd really, uh, one thing I'd say that really helped my marriage have a strong foundation was that actually Eunice and I did pre-engagement counseling. That's right. Even before I proposed to my wife Eunice, uh, like actually the way before, we we did couples counseling. Now we didn't have any problems. Uh, we didn't even have a single argument during dating. And during that time we dated, but Eunice was actually seeing a counselor at the time. And the counselor thought it was a good time to bring in the boyfriend. So I agreed to come and support Eunice. Little did I know, I was being roped into relationship counseling. But here's the thing. Uh, I mentioned this before. I thought Eunice and I had the most perfect relationship and that I thought our counselor would be so impressed by us. I thought that he would say, wow, you guys are so healthy. Wow, you never fight. Wow, you guys are like the perfect couple, so compatible. Well, I probably walked out out of every session fuming, angry, pissed off because our therapist would see through all of my facade. And, 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 and see that there was like this big red button on my body. And throughout the session, he'd just be like pressing it the whole time. And I would get so mad. You could ask Eunice. And one thing he would say over and over and over that really got me mad is that, yeah, if you guys get married, I guarantee you guys will divorce in three years. And I was like, what? You don't know me. You don't know us. On what basis can you possibly say that so confidently? And that's when he gave us the book, How We Love. And if you're not familiar with How We Love, it was written uh, by an ordained minister and pastoral counselor who worked with couples and families for over 30 years. And in this book, he teaches this concept called attachment styles. And attachment theory is one of the core foundational pillars in counseling and therapy. And so understanding your attachment style is fundamental if you want to have a good relationship with your spouse and others. And Yurkovich introduces five attachment styles, the avoider, the pleaser, the vacillator, the controller, the victim. And depending on what attachment style, you have a pattern of how you deal with your own self-awareness, your awareness of other people, and how you deal with negative emotions. And guess how we develop and form these attachment styles? Our parents, our parents, ooh. Yes, if you didn't guess it already, our attachment style is always formed by how our parents treated us or how we were parented. Now, as I was praying about this week's message, for some reason, 
God was really leading me to talk about this topic, which is a very hard topic to talk about. Our parents. Have you ever wondered why someone is like acting out? Have you ever wondered why someone is getting like defensive? Or have you ever wondered why someone is being very passive aggressive to you? Well, it has to do with their attachment style and how they were parented. But what I want to do today is take it a step further because it's not enough to understand how we deal with ourselves and how we deal with others and how we deal with our own negative emotions. This is church. So we need to explore how this affects our relationship with God. How do our parents affect our relationship with God? How do our parents affect our view of God? And this is really important because we all have a different way we view God. We might all read the same Bible. I'm holding my imaginary Bible there. We all might go to the same church. We all might listen to the same funny, charismatic, good-looking preacher on Sundays, wink, wink, right? But the reality is we all have a very, very different view of God, and, and largely that is from our parents. And to my Asian brothers and sisters out there, this is even more the case for us. Have you ever heard someone say they believe something about God and your reaction is like, what? That's not the God I believe. It's been really hard for me lately to be on social media and even read and watch the news lately to hear of all these people say something like so racist and use God as the basis for it. I was watching this, the, this thing the other day, and, and I was scrolling, and a man was scolding a worker at Walmart because they, they weren't speaking English properly. And he was saying, like, this is a Christian country, and you should speak English. And he, like, sprinkled, like, Christ's love in there, like, randomly. And, and, but this is a Christian nation, and you need to speak English. And I was just like, first of all, I was so confused. <laughs> And, but I had to take a step back from my judgment and realize, okay, this person obviously has a view of God, and they are reacting to how they were parented. Perhaps this man has a controller-type attachment style and believes that God responds to negative situations by heightened control and dominance. But today I want to focus on the two most common attachment styles formed by our parents— the avoider and the pleaser. The, the avoider and pleaser styles are how, are, and, and how these attachment styles and our parents affect our view of God. So let me talk about the avoider. Uh, was your father or mother emotionally unavailable? Did you grow up in a household where you never, ever talked about feelings or very rarely did all, your did, did all your parents do was make sure you had enough food and, and clothes and a place to sleep, but they really didn't do much more than that? Well, it's very likely you will have an avoidant attachment style, which we call the avoider. And, and something that the avoider says is, I'm fine. Uh, you're very independent, uh, avoids feelings, don't like to talk about feelings, and you're very, very task-oriented. Uh, psychologists have, have said that, even, that this even develops in the infancy stage, saying that like if you are left in a crib unattended, it creates this neural pathways of the child to become 
to start becoming self-sufficient and not expect their primary caretaker or anyone else to take care of them when they're in pain. You know, some very famous characters uh, that are classic avoider types are, number one, Summer from 500 Days of Summer, the most hated character in all of cinema, right? I hated Summer. I can't believe she wouldn't. She was so mean to Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Another famous avoidant type is Chandler Bing, Mr. Bing from Friends, right? And then probably the most famous of all time avoider types is Tony Stark, Iron Man himself, played by Robert Downey Jr. And all three are those who had parents who were emotionally unavailable. And a result of, uh, and as a result, had a very deep fear of, of, of deep emotional connection and intimacy. They will avoid or minimize negative emotions and conversations with light humor uh, or just not acknowledge it altogether. Well, how does this affect our view of God? Well, a lot. Each type will respond to God in two ways. Either they will view God as the parent they never had. Or two, they will view God as the same as their parent. However, both ways of responding are very flawed. See, see uh, if you see through the lens of the avoider, even though you know that God is loving and will take care of you, if you expect God to be the parent you never had, there's a lot of room for disappointment. For example, if you put God in the box of being everything opposite of your failed mom or dad, when you experience suffering and pain, God will not always rescue you out of that situation. And part of the truth is that we know that God allows suffering because suffering produces character. But we can see that as neglect or disappointment in God. But most of us approach God probably the same way that we actually view our parents. For an avoider, it's probably hard for you to pray to God about your feelings or pain or cares or worries because deep down inside, it's hard for you to believe that God would listen or even care about you. Instead, you'd rather go you know, about your life and feel like, as long as I'm doing okay and I'm fine and I just figure it out, God is fine with me. The key word for the avoider is fine. I'm fine. As long as I'm fine, God is fine. And if I'm fine, and God is fine because I don't expect much from him, then he's God. He's cool. That's cool. I accept that. I'm fine. He's fine. I'm fine. We're fine. And again, I know intellectually, we know that this isn't the way to view God. This isn't the way to have a relationship with God. But what I'm revealing is the truth of how we truly view God and approach him. And a lot has to do with the way our parents affected us. Well, secondly, I want to talk about the other most common attachment style, which is the pleaser. Now, if you had an overly protective mom or dad, if you had a mother or a father that was hypercritical, if you grew up in a house where you had to gain parents' approval and acceptance, and they would show affection when you are good, but disappointment and shame when you didn't meet their standards, then you might have developed the pleaser attachment style, otherwise known as the anxious attachment style. Now, the pleaser is the good kid, normally. 
they are the peacekeeper. They like to keep the peace. They don't like to fight or have conflict. They're anxious for approval, and they deeply fear rejection, right? Some famous fictional characters of the pleaser are, this is a funny one, but I don't know if you guys remember the show Glee, but Rachel Berry is a very classic example of the pleaser. Another one that's really famous is Peter Parker, Spider-Man. He is a pleaser attachment style. And then one of my favorites and who I resonate with the most is Anakin Skywalker was a hyper pleaser. He deeply had a dysfunctional uh, pleasing attachment style, all right? Rachel Berry, if you know from Glee, was under a lot of pressure in being this like perfect girl with no flaws. Peter Parker was always so stressed about keeping Aunt May happy and pleasing her. And then he was his love of his life, Mary Jane. And then he had his friends. And then the city of New York, he felt the weight of the world on his shoulders. And he's trying to please everybody. And then there's Anakin Skywalker, who felt torn between pleasing his master, Obi-Wan, and the Jedi Council, and then Padme, and then the, his own father figure, Emperor Palpatine. And we all know how that went, right? If you had a parent who put you in a state of anxiety, you didn't know what would make them happy, and your life was constantly trying to seek their approval this develops into the pleaser attachment style, which maybe some of you could have guessed is my attachment style. So this one hits so close to home for me. But we ask again, how does this affect our view of God? Well, a lot. And remember when I said that each, each style we respond, we respond in two ways. One, we either approach God the opposite of our failed parent, right? Or we approach God by replacing our parents with God. For me personally, it was a mixture of both. In my early days, I would view God as a being um, who was someone like my mom or dad, who I had to gain their approval and acceptance and be this really good kid, this really good Christian. And I had to do everything right because if I didn't, then God would be disappointed in me and reject me. And then later in life, I started to approach God the opposite. Uh, I would approach God the opposite of the time where I would view him as being someone that will always accept me and never reject me. And that was the basis of my relationship with him, meaning it didn't matter what I did or how I acted or performed, that I would still be accepted in his eyes. Now, as nice as that sounds, and while a lot of what I said is true, it is too limiting a view of God. You can see I'm putting God in a box out of a need for him to be the opposite or exactly like how I was parented. And the problem is when I experience God outside of the box and framework that I created for him, I either force to reconcile what happened with my view of God or just have complete dissonance and start to completely doubt God and the goodness of his character. And you might not realize it, but this is something we are doing every single day, every single moment. As we reflect on the events of our lives, we are making a decision, even without knowing, we lose our job during the pandemic. Oh, this is God punishing me. 
oh no, this is God teaching me something. Oh no, this is, this is God not caring about me. We get a boyfriend or a girlfriend during the pandemic. This is God loving me. This is God caring about me. I don't feel blessed today at church. God doesn't care. Wow, I feel so blessed today by the message. God is reaching out to me and telling me that he cares. And part of the difficulty of being an adult and maturing and growing is being able to distinguish the lie from the truth. Is my view of God coming out of my attachment style? Is it coming out of my broken worldview that was influenced by my parents? Or is this truly God? Is this God's voice in my head? Or is it my mom's voice in my head? Very, very difficult. And it takes a lot of maturity and wisdom and community to help us distinguish it all. And this is the point I want to make today. How do our parents affect our view of God? Well, as I've shared a lot it affects us more than we know and, or even realize. But here's the truth and, and that I want us to take away. Parents will affect how we view God if we're unaware of how our parents affect us. Parents will affect how we have a relationship with God if we're unaware of how our parents affect our relationship with others. And this is so, so hard because we don't like talking about our childhood, especially our parents. And the only time it comes up is in therapy or marriage counseling. And the reason why I want to bring this up is because when I sit down with a couple who has had problems you know, I've been with individuals and couples and married couples, young, old, divorced, post-divorced, depressed, whatnot. They tend to always seek help in a safe space to talk about their pain and trauma and how, their, uh, how the effect of their parents had, had on them, but it was way too late. They tend to seek a place to process way after so much damage has been done. So my encouragement to you is don't wait. Don't wait. Because every second that goes by that we do not process how our parents influence our worldview, every minute that goes by that we don't evaluate and distinguish how our parents affect our view of who God is, we continue life with a very false view of God. Or at the very least, a very narrow and limited view of God. And the reality is that God is so much bigger. So much bigger than we think he is. God is so much more mysterious than already mysterious. We know who that he is. And the more we grow in the knowledge of God, what ends up happening is we actually realize that we don't know much about God at all. Now I know therapy is expensive. But if you have the resources to do some counseling, please do it. But if paying someone to process is not your cup of tea, I want to encourage all of us as we gather together in our small groups, as we gather together in our homes, 
for supper, as we you know, do our breakout groups into discussion after our service on Zoom, let's talk about our parents. Let's share the impact our parents had on us, good and bad, not just the bad, but also the good, because that's important too. Let's ask, how is it, to con- like, how is it connected to my faith now? How is it related to how I approach God and the Bible? How does it relate to how I interact with other people in our church? How does it impact my theology? Am I reacting to my parents? Am I continuing the legacy of my parents? Am I trying to still please my parents? These are all uncomfortable questions, but necessary questions to ask ourselves if we truly want to approach God in a way where he truly is, where he's he's real and untainted. Because we don't want to see God through a broken lens, a lens that is veiled by trauma and pain, but we want to view him as he truly is. And so to all my avoiders and pleasers out there, I want to end today's message with a reading of a psalm. And this psalm is incredibly therapeutic when it comes to inviting God into our souls because it's hard. It's hard for many of us to ask ourselves these hard questions. It's hard for us to just sit down and start being introspective all of a sudden. It's hard for us to even want to process these things. But if you ever want to start the process, I I personally always use Psalm 139 as a template in God and prayer to intro my process. So I want to end today by reading this psalm as a prayer for all of you today. So let's read together and pray together the Psalm of David from Psalm 139. You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The dark will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you 
because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those of you in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That last part where David says his hatred of others, that was God revealing to David what was deep in his heart that he could not see. He could not see his anger, his hatred, his jealousy, his anxiety, things he didn't know were there, but was skewing his own view of God. So pray this prayer with me, this last part. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen.